Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. Uh, we're still in the book of Leviticus, and today I really want to talk about sacrifice, how it's really the only way to God's throne. You ever feel distant from God? Only me? <laughs> I mean, do you ever have the feeling like you're praying, you're trying to worship, and God is out there somewhere, but you just don't feel close? We talked about the tabernacle and how that can be a model of prayer. You know, you enter his courts with thanksgiving. That's why Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, how do we start it? Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thanksgiving, you enter those courts with praise and thanksgiving. And ultimately, those sacrifices is the only way we, as sinful humans, can access the throne of God in prayer. It's through sacrifice. People are devoted to God. What is a pleasing sacrifice? You know, we've gone over the five sacrifices in the book of Leviticus. Who remembers what they are? Grain, peace. Well, yeah, burnt. That's the one you missed at the beginning. And then the sin offering and the guilt offering. That's all five. Now, what's really interesting, there are five sacrifices that in the new covenant, we also are to offer. Do you know what those five are? Sacrifice praise, you can guess a few of them, right? The purpose of sacrifice back then was to atone for sin and make a way for a sinful human to approach a holy God. Now, we're going to find that in the next few chapters, some of Aaron's sons offer strange fire on the altar. Remember what happened to them? And fire came out from the tabernacle and consumed them and killed them dead because it was strange fire. And folks, a lot of Christians offer strange fire. There's a lot of false uh, <clears throat> dogmatic teachings in the church today. And it's strange fire to the Lord. What's the real fire? It's the teaching of the word of God. And we're going to go through the uh, really how to access God in prayer. The five sacrifices that we're to give in the new, new covenant are very clear. Yes, we're saved through faith in Christ, but to experience that abundant life in Christ. I mean to tell you, when you experience the presence of God, when you know he is with you, when you bow your knees in prayer, you know you have access to the throne of God. There are five sacrifices we need to offer. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it's up there. It says, you also as living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. You know you're all holy priests, okay? Uh, to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Though we're saved simply through faith, there are other things we need to do as priests. In fact, there's five sacrifices. The ones we need to offer, number one, tithes and offerings. Philippians chapter 4, starting in verse 18, it says, this is Paul writing to the church of Philippi. They're one of the only churches that were faithful in giving their tithes and offerings to Paul. Do you know that? Before they had the church. He said, but I have received everything in full, the tithes and offerings, and have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent. What is it? A fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. You know, that's one thing that we can sacrifice as Christians, our tithes and our offerings. Does God bless that and honor that? We're going to talk about that. Number two is our praise and prayer. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through him then let us continually, how often? Continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. This is prayer and praise. And folks, that is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of what? Your time. Sometimes you don't feel like worshiping God or praising God or even praying to God. It's a sacrifice. That's the first two, tithes and offerings, prayer and praise. The third is good works. 
though you're not saved by good works, James says, hey, man, if you have saving faith, it's going to be demonstrated in how you live. You will have works. Hebrews 13, 16, do not neglect in doing good and sharing. For with such what? Sacrifices, God is pleased. Number four is love and communion. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, And walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And in this communion, we declare what? That sacrifice, but communion is involved more than that. It's koinonia, it's fellowship. It's having that love one for another. We're going to get into that in two weeks because next week Sam will be here. And then we offer our, our entire self, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And this is the fifth sacrifice. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. If you want to experience the presence of God, if you want to have a powerful prayer life, you need to be offering these five sacrifices. Now, we all point to Christ, the ultimate sacrifice, but it's interesting there's five sacrifices in the New Covenant, and there's five in the Old Covenant. You see, God is the author of the whole thing. And these five replaced, actually Christ fulfilled the other ones. The first is tithes and offerings. I, want, I never really preach on this, but I want to go over it quickly. Philippians 4.18 again, it says, But I have received everything in full, the tithes and offerings from the church at Philippi, and have an abundance. I'm amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma. It's a direct reference to the sacrifices in the Old Covenant. An acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. I want you to notice this, though. Of the five sacrifices in the book of Leviticus, the first three are what? Who remembers? They're voluntary, and they're a fragrant aroma to the Lord, and they are burnt on the altar in the tabernacle. The last two, the sin and the guilt offering, are not voluntary. You have to do it. They are burnt outside the camp, not in the tabernacle, right? And the cool thing is, is that they atone for sin and guilt. That points to Christ's sacrifice. That's mandatory. The thing about the fragrant aroma sacrifices, they were voluntary. I want to tell you this with ties in the New Testament. There's no command that says you need to give 10% of your finances to God. Old Testament, you had to do that. New Testament, what, it, what does he say? We're going to go over some verses. The Bible mentions money more than 800 times. And of all the Jesus' parables, more than half of them talked about money. It's because there's so many people get tripped up with money, paying tithes and offerings and all of that. It's really a sacrifice when you give an offering or give a tithe to the church, tithes and offerings. Malachi 3.8, we know this. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? But how, you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and your offerings? Luke chapter 20, verse 25, and Jesus said to them, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. Should we pay our taxes? Yeah, absolutely. And render unto God the things which are God's. Now, this is Christ in the new covenant. What's God's? Is it just the tithe or is it more or what is it? Malachi 3.10, there's a promise. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that uh, there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If not, I will open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Have you experienced that? In my life, the years I've paid tithes faithfully, I have been blessed. The years where I thought I couldn't afford it, I've been really not blessed. You know what I mean? It's like there is a test in that. Reaping and sowing, it's a new covenant principle. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from his flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. 
Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Can we apply that to tithes and offerings too? Absolutely. Verse 10, so then while we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who are of the household of faith. Who's that? Christians, right? Jesus said this about tithing. Luke chapter 6, verse 38, give and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running out all over. For by the standard which you measure, which you give, it will be measured to you in return. Is that the parable of sowing and reaping? Absolutely. The same thing. The attitude, 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will, will also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Verse 7. Each one must do as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. All right, so the principle in the New Covenant, it's not this legalistic, binding, mandatory, you have to do this. It is a voluntary, I believe, gift that you give unto the Lord, but in doing and making that sacrifice, you actually get the blessing of God. Does that make sense? All right. What should we get? Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of your produce so that your barns may be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Are promises in the old covenant still applicable? Has God changed? He's the same yesterday, today and forever. He says, I will not break covenant. And in Psalm 89, he says, what has come from my lips, I will not take back. So when he makes a promise to a righteous man, it's a promise we can claim as well. Matthew 6, 19, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's really the idea here in the new covenant. It's like all, everything I have is God's. Hold on loosely. There's a song that was at the 80s. Hold on loosely. Don't let him go. Yeah, who knows that song? Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of a true theological fact. It's like everything we own. I know Cindy's like, are you singing rock and roll from the pulpit? All right. Okay. Lord, please forgive me. In Jesus' name. Okay. There we go. Whew. Uh, anyway, when, when to give? 1 Corinthians 16.1, one of the only examples we have. Now, concerning the collection of the saints, as directed to the churches of Galatia, so I direct you. This is God's command. Remember, Christ wrote the Bible through 40 scribes. When Paul says, I command you, and he writes it in a verse, who's actually making the command? Jesus Christ. You see, this isn't Paul's book. God wrote the Bible. It is the very word of God. So now concerning the collection for the saints, and that's what they called the gathering of the tithes and offerings, as I directed to the churches of Galatia, so also you. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as what? He may prosper so that no collections be made when I come. In the new covenant, it's not like 10%. It's as you prosper. It's what God puts on your heart to give. All right. Uh, number two, the, the second sacrifice is the sacrifice of praise or prayer. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it says, Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of the lips that give thanks to his name. Prayer is a sweet aroma, voluntary sacrifice we give to God. We have the privilege to give to God. The power of a prayer warrior. I don't know about you, but um, I have seen the power of prayer in my life. Have you seen miracles happen? Okay. I've seen healings. I've seen provision. I've seen God do amazing things, miraculous things, supernatural things. I got to tell you this. There is power in prayer. And if there's one area the enemy wants to bind you up. Yeah, number one, it's your finances. That's the first sacrifice. But number two, it's in your prayer life. Many Christians today do not have an effective prayer life. Psalm 141 one says, a psalm of David. 
O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. Isn't that neat that even the act of prayer is part of that sacrifice, that bowing our head, the raising of our hands like the wave offering unto the Lord. In our study of Leviticus, we find sacrifices paramount to approaching God. If you wonder why your prayers are hindered, if you wonder why they're not being effective, if you wonder why you don't have that intimacy with God that you used to have, it could be that you're not offering the five sacrifices that the new covenant wants you to offer. It's also the only way to God's throne in prayer and praise. Further, we find it's a sweet aroma offering to the Lord. Leviticus 4.31 says, Then he shall remove all its fat, and we've already read this and gone through it, Just the fat was removed from the sacrifice of a peace offering, and the priest shall offer it up in smoke on the altar for a soothing aroma to the Lord. Thus the priest shall make atonement for him, and he will be forgiven. We access God through who? Jesus Christ. There's one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. He atoned for your sin. He cleansed you. And positionally, when God sees you, guess what he sees? complete righteousness of Christ imputed to you. In fact, we read in Colossians, those who have been baptized with Christ have clothed themselves with Christ. So believe it or not, when you sin, when you repent, that sin is forgotten by God the Father. Have you ever, do you remember that? Sometimes the guilt, the condemnation of the enemy, and it's like, oh man, five years ago I did this, Lord, and Do you remember? And he's like, what are you talking about? You see, the minute you repent, your sin is cast into the sea of forgetfulness. It's as far as the east is from the west. It is gone. You are clean before a holy God. All he sees is the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we can access the throne of God in prayer. And our prayers become that sweet aroma rising up. Then one of them shall lift up a handful of fine flour and grain offering and its oil and all the incense that is in the grain offering shall offer it up in the smoke on the altar, a soothing aroma as a memorial offering to the Lord. Prayer is giving thanks and praising God as well as offering petitions to God. And in Psalm 107:21 it says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of what? Thanksgiving. That's what we're commanded to do in the new covenant and tell the works in joyful singing. Those who go down to the sea and ships who do business on the great waters, they have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. We need to be a people of praise and prayer. Revelation 5, 8, it says, And he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders, that angelic council, the assembly of angels that circle the throne of God, fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. The tabernacle model, that altar of incense, right before you reach the Holy of Holies, when you access the very throne of God, That is representative of our time in prayer. It's spending time in the very presence of God. Incense had to be beaten and pounded before it was used. You know, in Psalm 51, 17, it says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O Lord, you will not despise. Prayer is more than just saying the Lord's Prayer. It is coming to God with brokenness. Lord, I'm a sinner. Cleanse me. It's coming to God and praying through the Lord's prayer in a powerful way and accessing the very throne of God. Incense, as it rises towards heaven, literally is a symbol of our prayers rising up to a holy God before his very throne. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, 
yet without sin. Therefore, because of that, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Oh, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, prayer is one of the most important things we can do as children of God. Do you know that? When Cody lived in St. Louis, Missouri, going to seminary, I know especially from my wife, if he ever texted or called, it made her day. You know what I'm talking about? You see, parents love when their kids talk to them. There's something about it. Even when we don't have a lot to say or they don't have a lot to say, God the Father is the same way. We are children of God. He longs to have communication with us. He longs to have time spent with him in prayer, yet many Christians neglect to spend time in prayer. Most Christians pray when they're faced with difficulty, though, right? Oh, Lord, woe is me. Oh, I need your help again. You know, help Mr. Wizard. Who remembers that cartoon? No, I'm the only one. <laughs> Any old people out there? No. <laughs> Dude, it was about this kid, right? And he would go and explore the world, and he would, he would like, see all these historic events going on. It was an old cartoon. But then when he would get in trouble, help Mr. Wizard, and he would be beamed out, you know. Uh, it's pretty fun. Saints of God, we're told very clearly that in the last days, difficult times will come. If you are just a foul-weather prayer warrior, you need to change some things in your life. You see, when things are going good, that's when we really need to offer up the sacrifice of praise, not just when things are going bad. But in the last days, man, we're told, 2 Timothy 3.1, realize this, in the last days, folks, difficult times will come. I can assure you, if you're not a man or woman of prayer, in the good times, God will allow some trials to come just so you spend some time with them. Does that make sense? Prayer needs to be priority number one in your life. You should start your day in prayer. You should pray constantly throughout the day. We do battle in prayer. You know the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10? Right? You know, all the armor of God, you know, fight the good fight, stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. How does he sum it up? How does he end it? Do you remember? Stand firm. And there's another exhortation. Let's turn there. Ephesians chapter 6. So in verse 10, he say, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And he talks about our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood, but against powers. If you saw the movie, The War Room, how many of you have seen it? Ladies, you watched it the other night at Kathy's house. It's, it's her spouse wasn't the problem. Satan influencing her spouse was the problem. And in prayer, she defeated the foe. It's a powerful movie. You've got to see the war room. But take up the full armor of God, verse 13, so that you can resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Verse 14, it talks about the armor, which we are all well aware of. But in verse 18, he sums it up. With all, what? Prayer and petition. Pray how often? At all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance. That's cheerful endurance. You can only do that if you're a man or woman of prayer. And petition for all the saints and pray on my behalf. He keeps going about the importance of prayer. Oh, you can armor up all you want, but if you're not praying, you will be ineffective in the battle against Satan. He's trying to steal your children. He's trying to wreck your marriage. He's trying to ruin your life. He's trying to steal your joy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit, kill your relationships, and ultimately destroy you. That's what Satan wants to do. Folks, God is looking for, in these days, men and women that will be people of prayer. I can't tell you the burden God placed on my heart as I prepared this message. And, 
It was all about these sacrifices that we can offer. And, oh, man, they're all good. But this one was like a burden, like God was saying, please tell my children I want to talk to them. Tell them to call me. Tell them to spend time with me. He's looking for a people that will spend time with him. Mark 13, 13 says, You'll be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And to endure, we need to get right before God, and we need to be a person of prayer. Endurance means to remain faithful under persecution, to persevere, to endure, sustain, or bear up under. Suffer victoriously. How do you like that? Do you suffer victoriously? Christ said, man, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take care, I've overcome the world. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And in the midst of miseries, adversities, persecutions, provocations, stress, anxiety, sickness, worry, you name the battle, it is through prayer that you will be victorious. Now, a lot of people have said, but God knows everything that's going to happen, so why pray? It's all predestined. It, my prayers aren't effective. We're going to get to that in a second. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For it is time for judgment to begin where? In the last days. In the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? What's the difficulty? These five sacrifices. I got to tell you, you're not saved through any of that. You're saved through faith in Jesus Christ alone, right? However, to experience the victorious, awesome, powerful, warrior-strengthened life of a of powerful Christian, you need to offer up those five sacrifices. And prayer is paramount. Joel 1.14 says, Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. God's house, our church, your home, should be a house of prayer. It's time again for God's people to become a people of prayer, for churches to once again become houses of prayer. Amen? 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for one purpose, for the purpose of prayer. I got to tell you, folks, if your prayer life is faltering this morning, it's time to get it right. How often do you pray? I mean, really, really pray. Really pray. Where you seek the Lord where you get in your prayer closet like this woman in the war room. Our ladies watched this the other night at, at the thing. But prayers going to the temple of God and praising Him and giving our offerings and petitions and prayers and praise. Folks, God answers prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What was the secret of the early church? Hey, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone kept feeling this sense of awe. This is our model. Devote yourselves to the Word of God. Devote yourselves to a church for solid teaching. Devote yourself to fellowship with those in the church and devote yourself to prayer. It's so important. Isaiah 56, 7. Even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. Jesus quoted that in Matthew 21, 13. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. Where's God's house today? Hey, we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, but we already read the verse in Peter. We are living stones being built together into what? A spiritual house. The church should be known as a house of prayer. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 says, But in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. That's living water, the pillar and support of truth. 
Two things the church needs to do. Teach the truth, equip the saints, and be a house of prayer. Three things. But teaching is equipping. One thing. <laughs> Correcting false doctrine. Two things, yeah. Mark eleven seventeen. he said, he began to teach and say, Is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? We are God's spiritual house. At first, in the beginning, prayer was physically walking with God. Can you imagine Adam got to walk with God the Father in the cool of the day? That would be pretty cool. After the fall, we no longer had access to God. Prayer became a calling out to God. And it wasn't until Genesis chapter 4, verse 26 that men begin to really pray again. At least that's all that's recorded in Scripture. And all they did was call upon the name of the Lord. You ever pray like that? Lord, have mercy on me. Help me. Oh, God, I, I just need your help. Prayer is calling upon God. It's seeking His face and His will. Today, prayer again is once again talking with God. It's in the Spirit, but we have access to the very throne of God. William Carey in 17, probably early 1800s said, Prayer, secret, fervent, believing prayer, lies at the root of all personal godliness. Martin Luther said, I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. That's a lot. You know, a lot of these great saints that we read about started their day with two hours of prayer, with three hours of prayer, with an hour of prayer. I say start your day and pray until you can't think of anything else to pray for. It might be three minutes, but start your day in prayer. Amen? I got to tell you, the minute you start doing that, all of a sudden, I pray through my devotions. I, as I'm reading, I'll read a verse and say, Wow, Lord, what were you trying to say through Matthew when he wrote this? And how is it applicable to me? And how is it applicable to your bride, the church? What did you mean by that? And the Holy Spirit might give me another cross-reference. Now go there. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Thank you, Lord. And, man, uh, and I'll pray it to me specifically. I'll pray through the Word. I'll pray for all of you guys. I'll pray for my wife, my son, the church. John Wesley said, God does nothing but in answer to prayer. I want you to think about that. Do we have a verse that would back that up? We do. I'm going to give it to you soon. So why pray? If everything's predestined, if God already, according to his foreknowledge, knows exactly what's going to happen, why pray? Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 3.9, for we are God's co-workers or co-laborers. I want you to think about this in Exodus 32. Remember back when we were in that book? And God said, I am going to wipe out this people. There's nothing you can do. And Moses intervened in prayer, and God said, he changed his mind. Now, here's what I want you to think about. Before the creation of this world, God, according to his foreknowledge, knew every time you would bow your knee in prayer. He knows every prayer you'll ever pray before he even created the universe. And back during that time, in knowing, according to his foreknowledge, what you would pray, he predetermined the answer to that prayer before the earth was ever formed. So here's what I want you to think about. In the chronological progression of time, God knows from way back then exactly what you would pray and what you would ask for. Thus, he gave the answer to the prayer before he even made the earth. Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> so does prayer work? Yes. In James chapter 4, starting at verse 2b, and three, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. That's very clear. Hey, you wonder why God isn't blessing you, why you don't have what you need? Well, ask me. You ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, the idea here is we need to pray according to God's will, but don't expect God to do anything if you're not praying. You have not because you ask not. Because before the foundation of the earth, God knew you were going to pray. Today, you're going to pray for something this afternoon, maybe. 
Whatever you pray, God knew before the foundation of the world you were going to pray that prayer and predetermine the answer to that prayer before the foundation of the world. I want you to think about this other thing, spiritual battle and prayer. Daniel in Daniel chapter 10 bowed his knee to pray, right? For 21 days, this angel was trying to bring the answer, but a demon held it off. Finally, the angel came and said, Daniel, the minute you bowed your knee to pray, God sent me with the answer to your prayer. But for 21 days, the prince of Persia, this demonic force, withstood me. And no one would come help me until Michael came and helped me and allowed me to come give you the answer to the prayer. 21 days ago, you prayed. So I want you to consider this. Sometimes the answer to your prayer could be slow because of spiritual battle. Could be the answer is already on the way. Have you ever thought about that? That's why we believe through faith and prayer. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant the desires of your heart. Is this a promise in prayer? Absolutely. I've seen it over and over in my life, but there are prayers God does not hear. In fact, some people, when they say, man, I feel like God doesn't hear my prayers, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if you're in one of these groups. Let's see, Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. Regard means to see, to look at, inspect, perceive, to consider and meditate on. If I regard anything evil, wicked, that's an abomination, that's a sin in my heart, the Lord does not hear my prayers. I want you to consider that. Hey, go before, enter his gates with thanksgiving, the tabernacle model, right? Lord, thank you. Thank you that you love me. Ah, and you come to the gate where you actually offer the sacrifice, which points to Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying in my stead, for taking all of my sins on the cross. And you go to the altar where he's crucified and his blood is poured out and your sin is atoned for and you are cleansed. And you go to the basin and you wash and you say, Lord, wash me and make me clean, make me white as snow. And you get into the word of God at that point because your mind is washed in the word. If you go through that model, he will hear your prayer every time. But there are those Christians that play with sin, that play with wickedness, that regard wickedness, and I can assure you, God will not hear their prayers. It's a promise, unfortunately a bad one. John chapter 9, verse 31. We know that God does not hear sinners. That's people in habitual lifestyle sin. Not those that fall into sin like us. Are you with me? Big difference. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears them. Sinners, one who is devoted to sin, who makes sin part of their life. It is a lifestyle of sin. God doesn't hear their prayers. There's one prayer he'll hear from that person. Prayer of repentance. Lord, forgive me. Have mercy on me. Proverbs 28, 9. He who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Hey, God wants us to study his word. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You know, the New Testament is filled with commandments that are more difficult to obey than the ones in the old. Remember, Christ said, in the Old Testament said, don't murder. I say to you, don't hate. For if you hate your brother, you've already committed murder in your heart. That's more difficult. Hey, but the law of God is good, restoring the soul. Oh, it's sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb, the psalmist said. So if you're meditating on the word of God, if you're obeying the law of God, if you're pursuing and thinking about godly things rather than meditating on wicked things, your prayers will be effective. Are you with me? Micah chapter 3, verse 4. Then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced a lifestyle of evil deeds. Now, folks, I don't care if you fall into sin twice a day, five times a day. If you repent and just say, Lord, man, I'm sorry, 
and it's that broken and contrite heart, what do we read? Oh, the Lord doesn't despise that. Though we are sinners, we don't practice a lifestyle of sin. Does that make sense? All right. Zechariah 7.13, And just as he called you, and they would not... Just as he called and they would not listen, so they called and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, you husbands in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way as with someone who is more delicate, fragile, and valuable than you, since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Hindered in the Greek? Cut down, stop, prevented from accomplishing anything. So think about it. How can we have an effective prayer life? We need to be offering the sacrifices, tithes and offerings, prayer and praise. The other ones we'll get into in two weeks. Men, we need to honor our wives. Wives, do you think it's reciprocated? Oh, yeah, it is. Believe it or not, if you're not honoring your husband, your prayers will be hindered, too. Make no mistake about it. This is not just saying, oh, okay, men, if you don't, I bet wives, you don't have to honor because you're told elsewhere you must honor your husband. The idea is we need to honor one another or your prayers will be hindered. Man, in marriage counseling, you know, when it's two Christians, you know, it's it's like, and I hate him. Have you, have you honored each other? I'll never honor them. You know, I, are you a Christian, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love. Love your enemies. Forgive those who sin against you. First Corinthians 13. Can you practice that? And their lives begin to spiral. Why? Because they're not honoring their spouse. They're entertaining wickedness in their mind. And next thing you know, God is far from them. No wonder they feel like they're out here and their prayers aren't heard or answered because more than likely God's saying, just come back to me so I can answer your prayers. You see, it's like a parent, a rebellious child isn't going to get what, the, what they really want. Hey, mom, dad, could I have 50 bucks to go to the movie? Did you clean your room? You haven't done your chores all week? No. No, your prayer is not going to be answered. Child that cleans his room, it's doing everything good. Hey, mom, dad, could I have $50 to go to the... Right. Yeah, come here. You're a pleasing child. I want to bless you. Do you think it's the same with God? Absolutely. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about the blessing and empowering of God in your life, living a victorious Christian life, a man or a woman who's powerful in prayer. He's powerful in prayer. Matthew 5.23, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar and remember your brother has something against you, leave the offering, the sacrifice of praise, the tithe and offering, the prayer that you're going to give before a holy God at the altar and go first and be reconciled to your brother, then come and present your offering or prayer. Forgive and it shall be forgiven you, right? Mm. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked. Ah, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. What's righteousness in us? Faith plus love. That's it. Belief in God and loving God first and loving the neighbor as yourself. Loving the church as Christ loves you. Wow. Proverbs 15, 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. But Lord, I do all these great things. How come you won't answer my prayer? He wants to, you to talk to him, to have relationship with him. First Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord so much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed more than the fat of rams. James 5, 16, Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? Okay, those are some parameters on prayer there. It's a fervent prayer. Man, I can remember times when I've been on my knees 
fervently praying, sweating before a holy God. Have you ever done that? I prayed all night on many occasions, all night long, fervently seeking the face of God and praying for revival in the church and his blessing in the lives of those that attend. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What's he saying there? Dude, you see all these guys in the Bible that pray and miracles happen? Guess what? They're just like you. They're no different than you. Oh, but they didn't entertain wickedness in their mind. They honored their spouse if they were married. They did things that they were trying to please their holy God, and God heard their prayers. Uh, he prayed that it wouldn't rain. It didn't rain for three years and six months. Wow. And then he prayed it would rain, and the sky poured down rain again. What he's saying there is, man, he's no different than you. God's still a miracle worker. He hasn't changed. Ephesians 5.14, for this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time, for the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And you can only do that through prayer. Prayer is dynamic. It's not just, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer and I'm done. No, I pray through the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I don't feel like praying and I don't know exactly what to pray. So I'll say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Father God, I, you are awesome and I worship and I enter his courts with praise and thanksgiving. I go to the next line and pray through that, the next line and pray through that. We need to practice prayer. Romans 13, 11, do this knowing that the time is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone, the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Prayer is the most effective offensive and defensive tool that we have. Prayer is all about seeking the Lord. I love those who seek me, and those who diligently seek me will find me, Proverbs 8, 17. Psalm 105, 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Are you doing that? Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, and that's where a lot of Christians stop. But I got to tell you, no, go out and declare the gospel to the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Speak of all his wonders. Glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be glad. Oh, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face. How often? Continually remember his wonders which he has done, his marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. Much of prayer is seeking the face of God. You know, there's mornings I come and I really don't feel like praying. So I'll put on some praise music, enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. And I will sing until all of a sudden I feel that connection. You know what I'm talking about? Where you enter into that you feel the Holy Spirit. And then I go through the tabernacle model of prayer. What do you seek more than anything else? Are, are you seeking God first? You see, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All your needs are going to be met. Guess what? He's going to answer your prayers. Don't dwell on wickedness. Don't meditate on evil. Don't contemplate sin. Think about things that are pure, honorable, good, of good report, all those good things. Dwell on those things. Honor your spouse, and your prayers won't be hindered. You will be a man or a woman that have effective prayer. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. I love that. I don't care how wicked I feel, and sometimes this world just stains you, doesn't it? It's like you see something on TV, you hear something on the radio, see something driving around, and it's just like the stain 
And it's like, oh, Lord, man, cleanse me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Moody said, I'd rather be able to pray than be a great preacher. And he was a great preacher. Christ never taught his disciples how to preach, only how to pray. You see, a sermon wrought in prayer is a powerful sermon. It's a message from God to you. Any public speaker can craft a message, but an anointed sermon is something that is bathed in prayer. It's bathed in uh, on your knees. <laughs> Psalm 161, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. He's inclined his ear to me, therefore I shall call upon him as long as I live. The Lord hears your prayers, folks. Your prayers are important and powerful. They change things. 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Your prayers only have to reach from your head to your heart and you've reached God. Because that's where God is, right here, the Holy Spirit inside of you. 1 John 14, 15, whoever then confesses Jesus as the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? We're going to get into that more in a little, uh, actually a couple of weeks. Oh, sometimes you don't know how to pray. And know this, I love this, Romans 8, 26. In the same way the Spirit helps our weaknesses, He empowers us. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and He searches the heart and knows what the mind of the Spirit is because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Isn't that neat? That God is interceding for you the spirit within you, even as you go through your day. Mark, you want to come on up? Again, I just want to end with this verse, Hebrews 4, 14 and 16. It says, 15 and 16, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Yes, we are fallen sinners, but we're not practicing a lifestyle of habitual sin. If you are, don't expect your prayers to be answered. But even in the midst of that, we have a high priest that understands. Therefore, verse 16, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. That's in prayer. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. I pray that you would just spark up your prayer life this week. That you would spend time with the Lord. That you would guard your heart and your mind and your thoughts, and take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. First two sacrifices, tithes and offerings, your treasure, and time, your prayer, and praise to God. That's, that's the sacrifices, giving up the time to do it. I pray that you would find time to spend alone with the Lord this week. Sand restores my soul, satisfies my Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love